song. I forgot one thing. I, I meant to, we cannot, we cannot, we cannot forget our sign-up sheets, okay? It's not really a church Sunday without sign-up sheets, all right? <laughs> Actually, what it is, is that we want to really decorate this place so really nice for Christmas, but we need help, all right? Right now, it's me, so we need help, all right? <laughs> I'd just put Christmas stickers up. That would be how I would decorate, okay? So if you like to, to help out with decorations and things like that, we'll let you know exactly when we're going to do that. Please put your name, your phone number, email down, whatever. Okay, buddy. I'm sorry. It's all yours now, okay? You've got the rest of the day, okay? Good morning, everybody. All right. Um, in the bulletin there, I think I wrote, what is Jesus to you, or how do you introduce him to other people? So we're going to look at that today. I want to start off, Pastor Doug said it was a rough week, definitely was, to get the elephant out of the room for those who are members here, I know everything that's happening. A lot of you received letters and documents and things that said a lot of things, and uh, I just want to discuss all of that today. Um, we don't, as Christians, have the right to defend ourselves. And many people make that mistake that when things come against you, that you want to rise up and defend yourself. And we don't have that right. See, Jesus says, when you follow me, deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. It's not when people say things, when people do things, you know, and it happens in the workplace, it happens at Kroger, it happens all over. It's not certain people, it's everywhere. But he says, pray for those people, bless those people, you know, people, people are going to use you, people are going to say things about you, people don't know what's in your heart, people don't know what you and God are discussing and what's happening in your secret, quiet place. So just bless them and pray for them. So we don't have the right to defend ourselves, and well, let me tell you how it is. No, Paul writes in the book of Philippians, just after the verse where he, said, where he says, I know that God will finish the good work which he started in you. He says there that you guys are in my heart, and he says, as I am in my chains now, you are partakers of my grace in declaring and the confirmation of the gospel. There's a grace to declare and have the gospel confirmed, but there's no grace for you defending yourself. So I'm not here today to defend myself. I'm not here today to defend anything that was said against me. What I'm here today to do is be a witness for the Jesus that I know. What I'm here today is to be a witness for the Jesus that I have encountered I am a witness today for, even as Mike was talking about and Pastor Doug, of the vision for this house. This is what we believe. This is what we stand by, and that's, that's just the way it is. We believe this. We believe this Jesus that we preach. So it's not defending ourselves, or we don't have that right. So today we're going to look at, let's start in the book of, we'll go to Luke chapter 4. But it already starts in Isaiah 61, and we all know the, the part of Scripture there where this amazing prophet comes and he speaks on behalf of God. 
And he says, you guys better look out because one day one, one is going to come and he's going to change everything. And when he arrives, everything's going to be different. So wait for his arrival because, man, when he comes, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, when he comes, things are not going to be the same. And how are you going to know what he looks like? How are you going to know that this is he? How are you going to know when you pass him in the street that this is the one that it was spoken about? And in Isaiah 61, that whole famous chapter that we can quote, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. And then in Luke chapter 4, the amazing, the miraculous, the marvelous, the most just wonderful thing happens. Jesus, the Bible says, as it was his custom, he went into the temple, the synagogue, and he he gets the book, the scroll. And and in chapter 4, it says this, So he came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. And this is a little diff- different than exactly what it says. He stops somewhere where Isaiah goes on. But these are the words of Jesus. This is Jesus speaking. So Jesus says, if you want to know how I do things, my modus operandi, the way things are going to be concerning my actions, the kingdom that I am to usher in, this is what you are going to see. So look for these signs. And you will know that's my kingdom, how it works. So he goes on and Jesus speaks and he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Now, what is the Spirit going to do? Why why is the Spirit on you? What what are you going to do now that the Spirit is on you? Because, I mean, he could have gone in any direction here. He could have said, man, you better be so careful now because the Spirit of God is upon me. I will... Man, he, he could have gone. <laughs> but he says, this is what the, the Holy Spirit is going to do because he's upon me. And this is how you're going to know that he's here. He has anointed me to do what? Man, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. Who in this room does not qualify to have the gospel preached to you because you were poor. That's how you're going to know. That's the picture of me. He's anointed me. So when I speak and I bring this gospel, something on the inside of you is going to feel, wow, yes, that's for me. Who's ever felt that? Somebody came, it could have been in a church, it could have been at a a conference, it could have been somewhere, but someone was speaking, but on the inside of you, Something was moving, something was stirring, something was, it was God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to you under the Holy Spirit, because he was anointed to do that. We've all had that. Isn't that amazing? So Jesus says, watch out, this is what's coming. This is what I am anointed to do by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. 
every single one of us in here. I don't care what family you come from. I don't care what color you are. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care how dumb, how wise, how stupid you are. We all have had broken hearts because of the world that we live in. But he comes and he says, that broken heart doesn't have to be broken anymore. Because I'm here. And he is on me, anointed me to preach to you, to fix that heart. That's what we're looking for. That's the anointing. To preach to the poor, the gospel that sets free. To fix broken hearts. That's the Jesus we believe in. That's the Jesus I believe in. That's the Jesus this house preaches. To proclaim liberty to the captives. Recovery of sight to the blind. Who's ever done something where you thought you were so right? You so, and then just later you come to realize, man, that was stupid. If I, if I could do that again, I would do it different. Even though your eyes were open, you were still blind to the way to do it right. But Jesus says you don't have to do that anymore because I'm anointed to open your eyes so that you would see right. And this is a good picture of Jesus. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. To proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book, gave it back to the attendant, sat down. The eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today. Can you imagine sitting there and Jesus says all this amazing stuff and he says, in your presence today, this scripture has been fulfilled. It's happening from now on till I come back again one day. This is how you will know that it's the Holy Spirit on me doing it. All of these things are going to happen. And from this day, it's going to start. Can you imagine sitting there, those people bound up in the law every year, animal sacrifices, blood, day after day, offering, offering, and Jesus says, doesn't have to be that way anymore. Don't have to do that anymore. This is how it's going to be. Man, this is an amazing picture of Jesus. Today, the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is, is this not Joseph's son? So Jesus comes and he says, this is how you're going to know this is the work of Holy Spirit. When the Father has sent me, and, and all I'm doing as the Gospels go down, he says, I've come to show you the Father. I don't do this because I wonder and just I've got nothing else to do. Believe me, there's a lot to do in heaven. There's, there's a lot of fun things happening up there. But I'm coming you to show you the Father because you don't know him. But when I do all of this, preach the gospel, open the eyes, heal the brokenhearted, I'm just doing it to show you what he's really like. Because the law was never daddy's best for you. And I'm coming now to change that. I am his best and I am here now to set you free. Because the law, doesn't matter how good you could obey the law, that does not set free. And Jesus, who is the truth, has come to set you free. And you will know the truth. And the truth, Jesus, will set you free. So this is what we're looking for.
This is what we're going after. So in John chapter 4, we, we know the whole situation here. There's this woman that comes to the well, and for time's sake, she gets into an argument, a religious argument with the Messiah about the Messiah. <laughs> Talk about being blind. When Messiah comes, man, he will tell us, he will show us, he will. And look at Jesus. Man, he, he's, he's, he's just so good. He just stands there and he takes it. Doesn't say, doesn't, you know, just answers, just reveals truth. And then at one stage, this woman in 28, the woman then left her water pot. She went there to get water. You see, in your life, you may be going somewhere to do something and you have everything that you need to do what you need to do. But when you encounter Jesus... You drop everything that you went there to do, and you go and tell people. It doesn't matter what you had in your mind, what your plan of action was, what you were supposed to do, why you went there to do this. But when you go there and you meet Jesus face to face, whatever you were there for is not important anymore, and you just drop it. Peter catching fish. What did they do when Jesus said, follow me? Drop the nets. They dropped their business. They dropped their money. Everything that was worth anything to them, they just dropped. And they followed him. Where to? They don't know. What they're going to do? They don't know. God says to Abram, get out of your tent. Follow me. Where to? Don't worry. Just leave and I'll tell you. And he still does the same. I will lead you. I'll show you. I'll take you to play. Tell me where it is. No, you go, and then I'll tell you. But this woman drops the pot, and, and she goes into the city, into the town. Now, this is not some, you know, th this woman had, was it five people that she was with? So this is not the purest, cleanest, most amazing woman that you would want to take home to meet mom. But Jesus encounters her where she is. And changes her. Because it's the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. So the woman then left her water pot, went into the city and said to the men. Now women in those days do not tell men what to do. There's certain rules, there's certain laws, there's a certain way of doing things. But dear brother and sister, when you encounter Jesus, to heck with all of those laws and the way that things should be done because when you have had an encounter, that does not stop you and it doesn't matter anymore. I have to tell you what he has said to me. Come see a man. Listen to this. Listen to this. Who told me all things. Okay? Now, we are also faulted for preaching too much on the mind here. New age. But look here. Look at this. This woman says, come, let me show you a man who told me all things. What did Jesus tell her? 
How many points of her life did he tell her? How many things did he discuss? One. But you see her mind was so consumed with I've had so many men and it doesn't work and I'm not going to get hurt again, so I'll just be with this one. I won't commit myself because I've been dropped so many times. I've been used and abused, so I'm going to do this and I'm not going to get married. So if it should happen again, it's okay because I won't be hurt. So let's, that's what was in her mind. That's all she could think about all the time. And Jesus talks about one thing and she says to the other people, he's told me all. He's, no, he didn't. That was in your mind. That's all that was in your mind. But your life is so much more than the one thing that the enemy comes and says, you're so bad at this. You shouldn't be doing this. You're useless. You had five men. Who's going to want you? And we get consumed with what the enemy says. And that consumes our mind. And we look at that. And then we feel that my whole life, all of my days is consumed with this. And it was one thing that Jesus spoke to her because her mind was so messed up because of the life that she was living. So she says, come, let me show you about this man that told me all things that I have ever did. No, he just said one thing that she did, but she was consumed by that. Could this be the Christ? The one that I said when the Christ comes, that, the, the one over there, could this be him? Then they went out to the city and they came to him. Don't you think they had an encounter with him after they had this encounter with this woman? She could have said many other things. Jesus could have said a lot to her, but he didn't. So today we're defending, I'm defending Jesus that I preach, the Jesus that I know. You see, when you're a witness in a court case and you get put on a stand and they say, okay, you know, this murder happened, this whatever and you say, well, you know, it was 3 o'clock in the morning, and the guy looked like this, and this is how it happened. And they said, well, what time did you arrive? What did you see? Well, I wasn't there, but my brother's sister's friend told me that at this time, it's, they're going to chuck you out of the court. For you to be a witness, you had to see it and experience it yourself. I have experienced this Jesus and his love for myself. So all I can testify to is what I know that he did for me. But I've got brothers and sisters around me that tell me how bad their life was and how they needed. And, you know, they've got the same story. So they're another witness, and there's another witness. And that's what Jesus is looking for. He's looking for witnesses who can sit on a stand and say, this is the Jesus that I know. I arrived there broken. My heart was torn to shreds. I knew nothing, and he came and he saved me. That's my testimony, your honor. So help me by God, I will tell the truth. That's the Jesus that we witness and testify to. This Jesus, I, I, man, I, I can tell you so many stories, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen, about this Jesus encountering me. My life, I mean, I know I need to write a book just about the goodness of God. I, man, I was in a hospital bed, bedridden, wheelchair, couldn't walk, 
There's my wife feeding and cleaning me. Doctor said you'll never walk. Your brain doesn't function. You'll never be normal. Just accept this because of my sin. That's another thing. This house does not believe that Jesus makes you sick and will put sickness and disease and curse you with things like that. So late in the night, my wife takes off work. We are just married. It's our first year of marriage. And she's sleeping in a chair next to the bed for weeks while I'm in hospital. Did not leave my side. Pushed the wheelchair. Did all of that for me. Went to buy food. And I'm lying one night late. I don't know, 11, no, 12, 1, 2, 3 in the morning. It's dark. If you've never been, you know, I, I sometimes say, you know how it is. And people are, no, we don't know how it is. What do you? So it's in a hospital. It's quiet. It's dark. It's Three in the morning, so you hear the, you know, machines going, connected to you, all of that. And every now and then you'll hear someone crying and a nurse going or whatever. And I'm lying there in this hospital bed, and I know I'm there because of my sin. Because God had called me to be a teacher of the word. And I'm not teaching the word. I'm lying there in that bed, and it's dark. My life is a mess. Brand new, married man. First year of marriage. And this is what the doctor says. You'll never walk again. And in that dark night, in that hospital, in another country away from everything that I know, I go to him that night and I say, man, I have said so many times, if you heal me this time, I'll never do that again. If you do this for me, I will do that. I'll, I'll bargain. And he was so good that he always, he did what he said that he would do. But you see, I left his house. I left my father's protection and I went out in the world to face the world by myself. And I got kicked down. I got beaten to the ground. And I lay in that bed and I just said, man, you know, if I were you, I wouldn't. But can I ask you one more time if you'll accept me back? That I will serve you and I will teach this word and I will. And it wasn't thunder and lightning. It wasn't a magical voice. It was just here on the inside of me that he said, Rifle, I've never left you. I'm exactly where you left me. <laughs> I'm exactly at the place that when you departed, I'm still there. So there's work to do. Let's go. That was it. That's the Jesus I defend. That's the Jesus I know. That's the Jesus I believe. And when things like this happen, where people say that you're wrong and all of these papers and things go out, it, it forces you to a place to go and really see, do I really believe this? Or is maybe what they're saying, is there truth to that? Do I believe wrong? Do I? You have to double down and come back out of that quiet place and say, you know what? Yes, this is a Jesus that I know. This is a Jesus that has been with me every single day of my life. And this is a Jesus that I will preach. And I had to repent. I had to do a lot of things. But th that, that's the Jesus that I know. I don't, I don't know any other Jesus. How can I preach to you any other Jesus than that? I can't. I would be a hypocrite. This Jesus, this same Jesus, I am in Bangkok, in Patpong, in the red light district of Bangkok, with the most horrendous, Sin and debauchery and just absolute blackness is going on. And I'm big and I'm strong and man, I'm just, I rule the world. 
in my 20s, I am just the most amazing thing around. <laughs> and I'm walking through this red light district, and there are strip bars and women and all of this and alcohol and drugs and just, man, life is good. And I'm the king. And I'm walking through that place. This is Bangkok. And a blonde woman, girl, young girl, in all of this place, I'm just walking and I'm big and I'm strong. And this, because you, you don't see blonde hair in between all of these dark haired people. And this blonde haired girl comes up to me. And me and my pompous arrogance, I'm thinking, you better get out of my way, woman. And I'm just walking and she stops straight in front of me. I don't know why, but people say I look scary. I have no idea why anyone would ever think that or say that. She did not think I was scary. And I had a t-shirt, so I all my tattoos, I've got rings in my nose, my eye. I'm just, man, I'm just amazing. And she walks to me in that red light district, looks me in the eyes, and she says, Jesus loves you. He sent that little young blonde girl all the way to the red light area in Bangkok where I was doing what I should not. I'm reborn. I'm backslidden. And this Jesus of mine sends a young girl to look me in the eyes and tell me, Jesus loves you. And because of my pride and my arrogance, I just pushed her out of the way. That was me. That was your pastor at one stage. I was blind. But man, I can sing that song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Because I once was so blind. But he sent that woman, and he sent people, and he never stopped. I can go, I can tell you story after story after story that just in the natural, I should not be here. Health-wise, I should not be here. But Jesus that I know, and the grace of the Father towards me, enabled me to get out of bed today with the most amazing wife next to me and the most amazing son in the room next to me to stand here and preach this word. Nothing but by the grace of God. I cannot preach another Jesus because this is a Jesus I know. So Pastor Manny said something last week that's very good, and I'll just touch on it. He said, you know, when you go through the Bible and you look at the, the books of Paul, what an amazing man, the Apostle Paul, and everything he wrote, and phenomenal. I mean, man, he suffered and he went through stuff, but he's not our Savior. And you've got to really understand when Paul writes to one church, what's he saying to them? Because he writes something different to another church. Which one is right for you? And if you go on just face value of what he says, man, you're going to absolutely be in so much hardship. Because you're not going to know, should I do this? Should I do that? Should I go this way? Should I go that way? Because he writes to different churches, different cultures, different people. And you can't take those writings and bring them into this house and say, the Bible says. Even though it's written in the Bible, does it say that to you today in this age? 
just for time's sake, we look at just time, look at one thing. Um, 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3 to 6. Paul writing, Now the Spirit expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons, speaking lies in hypocrisy, having their own conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and commanding to abstain from foods which God created to be received with thanksgiving by those who believe and know the truth. For every creature of God is good, and nothing is to be refused if it is received with thanksgiving. For it is sanctified by the word of God and prayer. Wow. Anything anyone puts in front of you, pray and eat, because God made nothing bad. That's amazing. Okay, now we go to the book of Acts. Chapter 15, 28. Now look at what Paul says in the beginning. He says, now the Spirit, capital S. In other words, Paul is saying, the Holy Spirit told me to tell you this, Timothy. Tell everyone to eat anything. Now chapter 15 of Acts. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that told me to tell you to eat everything. This is what that same Spirit told me. To lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled. Don't eat that. Well, gee, goodness me, you just said over here, God, everything that God made is good, so we must go ahead, pray, and eat. But don't touch this. So which one is it? Which one is it? Someone comes in here and they want to eat blood and they want to do that. You've been to Asia, they eat blood. You go to countries where they stick Africa, they stick the needles in the cow and they drink the blood. What do you say to them? Don't do that. Because, that. yeah, he's saying to the one group of people, it's okay, go ahead. To the other group, he's saying, don't do it. Which one is for us today? And if you take the writing of Paul on face value, you're going to be, okay, we, we should do that, we shouldn't do this. We must do this, we shouldn't do that. Which one is it? Look here at this one, just 1 Corinthians 11. But every woman who prays or prophesies with her head uncovered dishonors her head. Ladies, wear your hats. That's a word, that's scripture. So do we bring that into the church today and say, woman, if you do not wear a hat, then you... In another place, he says, women shouldn't even speak. Here he's saying, when a woman speaks and prophet, which one is it? They're not allowed to speak. When they do speak, wear a hat. Which one is it, Paul? And we've got to find out what Jesus is saying at that very moment that he's dealing with you and your situation in that very moment and time. First Corinthians 14, let your woman keep silent in the churches. You see, if we obey this, we should never allow anyone to go on campus if they're not a man to speak the word of God. We should never allow a woman here to bring the word of God if this were for us today. So which one is it? it, it just so many. So you can't take the writings of Paul and say, this is for today. This is what we believe in this church. And I'm going to speak about one specific circumstance here quickly. Because this is what happened. 1 Corinthians 5. 
It is actually reported that there is sexual immorality among you, and such sexual immorality as is not even named among the Gentiles, that a man has his father's wife, and you are puffed up and have not rather mourned that he who has done this deed might be taken away from among you. For I indeed, as absent in the body but present in spirit, have already judged as though I were present him who has done this deed in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he goes on, and here at the end he says, from such people, he says, do not even mingle, don't fellowship, do not even eat with them. So he's saying to this church over here, what's happening here is things are happening in church that not even the Gentiles partake of. He says, and you guys in church just sit back and you don't mourn. You're not sad. You accept this and say, well, everyone can do what they want. It's okay. And then he says, when people do this, he says, this is, what, this is what I'm writing to you. Don't even fellowship. Don't even be with that person. Don't sit down and have a meal with them. So what happens is this took place. You see, when a, a brother or a sister comes to me and they, here they're not confessing their sin. Here they're just doing it and going on and continuing in this. But when a brother should come to me and sit down and confess his sin, rather than me going to the scripture and saying, well, when you continue in that, I'm not fellowshipping, I'm not eating with you anymore because the Bible says I must have nothing to do with you. You know what I'm thinking? Behind that man, there's a wife. And should I call out that man in front of church and bring him to the front and say, this man is doing this and this and this. He shouldn't. No one should have fellowship with him. What about his wife? She's sitting there. Can you think that she would ever want to come back and look any one of us in the eye because this is happening in her house? So I can't just take this verse here that's said to a church where they don't care about sin, where anything goes, and I'll say, I'm going to do that today. And therefore, I bring you up. I don't have fellowship with you anymore. And what about the rest? The other day I said, in this covenant, it's not about who's right or wrong. It's what brings life or death. And it was brought here that we just let sin go. If that is what you believe we are saying, you are believing wrong. We are not saying let sin just continue. But man, if Jesus had that attitude towards me, brothers and sisters, I would not be here today. So should Jesus come to me and say, rifle, Remember the story about Cain and Abel? Where is your brother? In today's covenant, he will not ask me, where is your brother? Jesus would say, Rifle, where is our brother? Because this person who's living in sin has the same father as me, which makes Jesus his older brother. So when Jesus should come and say to me, where is our brother? I will tell him exactly where our brother is. Dear Jesus, our brother is lost. He needs help. 
He needs grace now in this time to open his eyes, to see what he's doing is wrong. Lord, our brother needs our prayers now more than ever before. Our brother needs someone that will stand with him, that will have his back, that will be there. Our brother needs someone who will go into the secret place and get down on their knees and cry and pray. That's where our brother is, Lord Jesus, and that's why I am here. I'm not here to point out everything that he's done wrong and say because the word says that, I'll bring you to the front of the church. Don't want anything to do with you. That's not the Jesus that I know according to this verse. And should that brother never, ever want to speak to me again because my doctrine is so messed up and I don't obey the word, there's one thing that he will know. I will cover your sins because love never fails. And I love you enough to not tell everyone and go and speak behind your back, but to go into a quiet place and pray for you. Because when my Jesus intercedes for me, he doesn't go and tell the rest of the people what's happening. He does it in quiet. He doesn't point me out and show all my mistakes to the world so that I can get in line. That's the Jesus that I know. That's the Jesus that covered me in the streets of Bangkok, in the streets of Taiwan, in the street, I can, everywhere I walk. That's the Jesus that covered me and never once refused to have a meal with me and said, I will not be there. You sit in the corner and you eat by yourself. I want absolutely nothing to do with you because of your sin. That's the Jesus I preach. That's a Jesus I know. I can't preach anything else. I want to look quickly here at, look here, Galatians 6, verse 1. Same Paul, same guy. Brethren, if a man is overtaken in any trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens. And so fulfill the law of Christ. So which one is it, Paul? Kick him out of the church, don't eat with him? Or me that maybe has a little bit more maturity, me that walk further, I, I need to help him and restore him. Which one is it? Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You choose which one it is. Which one did Jesus come to you with? Did he restore you or did he point everything out and make you a spectacle in front of the others? Luke chapter 15, it's 12 o'clock. We're just going to quickly, quickly go through the, the younger brother here. Next week, we'll look at the older brother. Look how this chapter starts, Luke chapter 15. Then all the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him to hear him. Who wanted to hear? Tax collectors and sinners. So they are not scared out of their wits because of what this Jesus guy is going to do. They're not running for the mountains because fire is going to fall down from heaven. They draw near to him to hear what he has to say. Sinners and tax collectors. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man. Receives sinners and eats with them. 
So he spoke this parable to them. Who's he speaking to? To these guys who are like, man, these sinners, don't eat with them. These tax collectors, get away. How can you sit and eat with these people? You'll defile yourself being with these sinners. And Jesus says, okay, I have a little parable for you guys. And he starts telling these parables. And he starts off, and for time's sake, we won't go into it, but he starts off with 100. Then he goes to 10. And then he goes to 1. Because 100 are important to him. But he'll leave 99 to get the 1 out of the 100. 10 are important, but he'll leave 9 to go and look for the 1. And one is important to him as well. So it doesn't matter in number, he's there. He's always looking after. He's always going after, whether it be a hundred or whether it be one. That's this Jesus. Who's telling this parable? Jesus, okay. So words of Jesus, read in the Bible. Okay. So then in verse 11, then he said, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to him, to them his livelihood. Can you imagine being a father to someone? Giving your absolute everything for them. Working hard because there's an inheritance for them. So it means the father worked. He did what was right. He didn't spend all the money so that when they came and said, we want, he said, well, there's nothing because he worked. There's money. Can you imagine being a dad to someone and your son comes to you and says, you are like dead to me. Give me my money. That's what Jesus is saying to these Pharisees. Let me tell you guys a story. There's a dad. There's an Abba father. And one of his sons comes to him and says, you are like dead. I don't even want you in my life. After everything you've done, give me my money. And Abba, the father, gives him the money. And not many days after that, he leaves. He journeyed to a far country and there wasted his possessions with prodigal living. But when he had spent all, there arose a famine in the land, a severe famine, and he began to be in want. Then he went and joined himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into the fields to feed swine. Jewish people don't feed pigs, so he's in a bad situation. And he would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. But when he had come to himself, what does it mean you come to yourself? Where do you come to yourself? Mind. Like, man, I'm here feeding these pigs. I'm so hungry, I want to eat what they... But he came to himself. What in the world am I doing here? The mind is very important because you have to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, your strength. He comes to himself. He's like, what am I doing here? Have we ever been somewhere where we just opened our eyes and said, what am I doing here? Okay. So he came to himself and said, how many of my father's hired servants have bread enough to spare and I perish with hunger? I will arise, go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, so this son who said to his father, you are like dead, get away from me, turns away. Now he's going back. What does he call the man that's still in his house? Father. Did he call him anything else? 
Who's telling the story? Jesus. So Jesus says, this guy who left, he still calls his dad in amongst the pigs, father. That's Abba. When you and I find ourselves in the worst of the worst place, you know who he is to you? Father. And he never loses sight of that. So whether you lose your mind or whether you come to yourself, he's father. And today we have laws. If fathers would do certain things to their children, it would be child abuse. But yet we want to put things on God and say, well, he did and God allowed and God is doing this and, and it's okay. So he comes to himself. He says, I'll go to my dad's house. I'll say, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. What was he while he was amongst the pigs? A son. Relationship never changed. Behavior doesn't break the father-son, father-daughter relationship. Behavior means you need to change what you're doing, but it doesn't change who you are. I'm not worthy to be called your son. Are any of us worthy? No, but he still came. Make me like one of your hired servants. And he arose and came to his father, but when he was still a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. father ran to him. I read, I study this stuff, and they say Jewish dads didn't run, they didn't haste, they, they, were, they would walk anywhere. If you know anything about a Jewish father, there's no running, especially not to a son who said to him, you're dead, and smells like swine. But the father had compassion, and he ran to this boy. So he says, I've sinned, I'm not longer worthy to be called. The father said to the servants, bring out the best robe. Who do you think in the whole house had the best robe? The dad, the Abba. <laughs> he says to the servants, hey, you guys at work here, go and get my robe and put it on my son. You don't have to clean the pig smell off him. You don't have to make him smell better. You don't have to let him take a shower. You just clothe him with my best because what he did and his actions Never take away the truth that he is still a son and my son to me. Jesus is telling the story. So you have a father and you have a son who ran away and now he's coming back. Bring out the best robe and put it on him. The ring on his hand, sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf here, kill it. We're going to be merry. But then he says, because this my son was lost. And he was dead. Now my question is, how can he be lost if he came by himself, no GPS, no people helping him, he found the way back home. How can he be lost if he knows how to go home? How can he be dead if he's there breathing, smelling like swine? So death means something different in this parable than the soul and the spirit leaving the body. So you can still be a son, but leave Abba's house, join yourself to somebody else, and even though you're not dead, as in not breathing anymore, but because you've left the house, 
you're a son acting like a dead person. How can you be lost if you know the way? Because you can leave the father's house and go and join yourself to somebody else. But you're still a son who's living like a dead or a lost son. So he comes back and his father's so happy. He hugs him and he does all of this. This my son was dead and he's alive and he was lost and he's found. And they began to be merry. Who was merry? The father with his boy who came back. The same boy that said, you are like dead to me. Give me my money. I'm out of here. Because this house has nothing to offer me anymore. And he goes back to that same house. And he says, I shouldn't even be here. And the father stopped him. He didn't even let him finish his nice rehearsed little speech. He said, come here, let me hug you. Robe this man. We'll look at the, we'll look at the oldest son, the Pharisee, next week. But you know what? If you've messed up, you're still a son. If you've made him, this is Jesus. This is not me sucking this out of my thumb. This is out of the mouth of Jesus telling the Pharisees a story. So should you mess up, you leave the house of your dad. You're still a son, but you know what? You're going to be hungry. You're going to be living like someone who's lost. You don't have to be lost because he is the way. If he is the way, you can't be lost. But if you lose the way and get out of the house, you're still a son, but you're living like a lost person. That's the Jesus this house preaches. That's a Jesus I know. That's the Jesus I came back to so many times where I said, man, I'll go back to my daddy's house. Uh, don't deserve it. But that I know. That is, I know I do not deserve it. But if you'll take me back one more time, Man, oh, and he said, put a robe on that guy. We got work to do. Because you lost sight of who you are. You lost sight of what this house of mine has to offer, but I've never lost sight of you being my son. You might have been lost. I was never lost concerning who you are to me. You might have been dead. Maybe to other people. Maybe to the brother. I don't know. But to me, your dad, you were never dead. But now... Because you are back, we are going to be merry. Stand to your feet. Father God, we just thank you that we as sons and daughters that have all left the house and done things that were not right, but when your spirit, which you said, Jesus, the spirit of God has anointed me, to preach to the brokenhearted, to go out to the poor, that included me, to bring liberty to the captives, to free us, Lord, from the pig pen, from where we were wallowing in the mire, where we were hungry, where we were thirsty, where we were lost because we left your house. But when we came to ourselves and we came back, you said, I will put a ring on your finger because you have never, ever not been my son. Or my daughter. 
So we just thank you, Jesus, that you have given us the ministry of reconciliation. That God was in Christ drawing the world to himself, not imputing their sins upon them. Otherwise, nobody would be here today. And you have given us that same ministry today. So whether we go to Kenya, whether we go to Midlothian, whether we go to Hanover, we have one ministry, and that's the ministry of reconciliation. And that is that Abba Father wants to clothe you with His righteousness. Abba Father wants to put a ring and sandals on you. We are, Lord, what can we say? in English, in any language other than tongues to just tell you how grateful we are. How can we express in words the thankfulness that we have that you never point us out and ridicule us and make us feel like scum, but you lift us up and you draw us to yourself through your Holy Spirit you are holy, but you gave us the Holy Spirit so that we can enter into your presence with boldness come to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy. Help us to be brothers and sisters to others, Lord, that love covers a multitude of sin, that we would be the coverers of others. Just like with Noah and his sons, Lord, that we will be the one who covers that we will not be ones who expose. So we love you and thank you for changing our hearts. Thank you for always being there, for being moved with compassion, for never, ever changing your thoughts towards us. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you for your goodness. In Jesus' name, the name of